But we have a definite theme today, don't we? On uh, living for Jesus. And that's what this verse, Colossians 3, 17, is about. It's actually concluding a passage. uh, And it incorporates all that goes before it. And uh, it really it is. Kind of like when Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, and he means I am everything in between. I'm the first and the last and all that's within. Uh, that's kind of what this verse is saying, that all, that all that went before it is incorporated in these thoughts. And that's why we're only learning the one verse and not five or six of them together. Uh, but I encourage you to look at about verse 12 at least through 16 in your own time, maybe later today, to, to think about what, it, what is in, incorporated in the first three words, whatever you do. Because that's a big thing. And so let's go ahead and look at this verse and let's repeat it a few times. And we'll take a few of the words away after, the, after we repeat it. Uh, just to start trying to get it into our brains. All right, but let's say this together. Uh, Colossians three seventeen, Whatever you do in word or deed... Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. All right, so let's take away a few of those words, and then we'll just fill in the blanks as we go along. Here we go. Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. All right, we'll take away some of the more, some more of those important words, and we've got just the, you know, the connecting words left. We can do this. Ready? You ready for this? Colossians three seventeen. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. All right, good job. Good job. And one of the things that has helped me to, as I've worked on this verse this week is to remind myself there are fewer words than I expect. Uh, just, you know, the Lord Jesus, not the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. I mean, it's four words, but I'm always expecting there to be more there. We're looking at how we live. We're looking at whatever you do. And yet, an important theme in this verse that we cannot overlook as well is this idea of the name. That whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does it mean to do things in the name of the Lord Jesus? What does it mean to do things in the name of somebody? You know, we we sometimes will act in the name of or by, uh, and, and a way that we'll say it in, in this time, in this age, is by the authority of. Right? Uh, when I perform a wedding, I say, uh, by authority given to me as a minister of the gospel. It's not something I have on my own, it is uh, something I am able to do based on my relationship with God. Namely, that I am a servant of His, and have been licensed by the church to serve as a pastor. That gives me the authority to perform a wedding. 
What does it mean to do something in the name of? And, and this is an interesting thing. I don't know uh, what you think about your name or what you think about names in general. When Amy and I were uh, naming our kids, that meant something to me. I felt like the name I gave my kids was going to, in some way, direct their life. And, And it's true. Your name, in some way, will affect you and direct your life. So, for instance, uh, originally my mom and dad had agreed to call me Matthew. And it was only after I was born, and you remember this was back before uh, you got to see anything going on inside of the womb until the baby came out. But as my mom, and her story, this is her story, and she says that she cradled me and held me, and my dad came to the uh, hospital room the following morning. She said, he's not a Matthew. And my dad said, okay, then what is he? (laughs) Who is he then if he's not Matthew? And she said, he's David. You know? And so instead of being connected to a tax collector from the Gospels, I'm connected to a shepherd boy. And my name means beloved of God. And that that does something to you throughout your life, especially when you marry somebody whose name also means beloved of God. That kind of just adds a little bit of sugar to the top, you know? That's a good stuff. My middle name is Brewer. And uh, that's from my maternal grandfather. And uh, when he, before he died, he wrote his memoirs, and his little uh, note to me was, you're the only one of the grandkids on your side of the family that bear my name. That meant something to him and it meant something to me. You know? Your name has value. Your name has importance. Uh, I knew as a kid growing up that Cecil's behaved a certain way. Even to this day as we have another generation and then soon another generation will come along. Cecil's behave a certain way. Maybe you have that too. Sometimes, you know, when we get into a dispute about the way some kids behave, sometimes I'll say, hey, that is not a Cecil trait. They didn't get that from this side of the house. And then other times it's, yeah, that's a Cecil trait. Yeah, that's all me. That's my fault right there, you know. Uh, Your name has value and importance. I knew as a kid going out into the world that that I didn't just... uh, represent myself i represented my parents i represented my grandparents that has importance and i want you to know that that your name has importance and that the name of jesus has importance and have you ever considered the fact that if you are a christian you bear the name of christ that as believers, we bear the name of Christ. The, the word Christian means little Christ. It was in uh, the book of Acts that we are told in Antioch that that was the first time the church was referred to as Christians. That the, the people around them recognized them and heard them talking about their faith in Jesus, the Messiah, and the Greek word for Messiah is Christ. The, the world at that time spoke Greek. And so the church, the believers began, they, you know, they were called the, the followers of the way. 
They were the followers of the Nazarene. But now they were Christians. And if you go through life saying, I am a Christian, you're making a claim. But not only are you making a claim of faith, you are identifying with Jesus. Christianity is not just a, a theology or a philosophy, although we can say that there are those elements to it. But Christianity ultimately is a relationship with the Jewish Messiah. The one that was promised since Genesis 3 that He would come and save His people from their sins. If you are a Christian today, you bear the name of Christ. So when Paul is saying to the Colossians, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Just think about that. That whatever you do, somebody who is watching or somebody who is hearing you speak is saying, that's a Christian. They represent Christ. And in, indeed, that's, that's what names do. And especially in the Bible, you think about you know, Abram. God named him Abraham. Jacob, God named him Isaac. Isaac, uh, Israel. You know, I'm getting my eye names messed up. Named him Israel. Wrestles with God and man. Throughout, names have importance. Even Jesus, his name will be Jesus and or Yeshua in the Hebrew, and his name means God saves or God's salvation. His his name means God's salvation, that God saves his people. And when we are called Christians, we are reflecting Him. Name, a name had something to do with your agency in life. A, a person in the Bible could not be separated from their name. Their name was something of their authority, their character, and their reputation. This is why in, in, in uh, the Old Testament, in the Ten Commandments, you don't take God's name in vain. To mistreat His name is to mistreat Him. To misuse His name is to misuse Him. To abuse His name is to abuse God. This is heavy stuff. A name is the manifestation of a person. You know, when, when we talk about doing things in the name of Jesus... We're talking about doing them in the character of Jesus. We're talking about doing them in the way that Jesus would do them. When we talk about doing whatever you do in word or deed, that we would speak according to the name of Jesus. That means to speak in accordance with His character, with His reputation on the line. Just like I felt when I was a kid going out into the world that I didn't just... Uh, represent myself, I represented my family. We all are representatives of Jesus. We bear His name. We bear His salvation on our hearts. Being a representative also means, though, that you're a reflection of, of the people whose name you bear. So, for instance, uh, I meet somebody, you know, 
I can think, well, they are a representative of who their family is. That's the way they interact. That's, you know, we all have certain ways that we are as families. We're all individuals within our families, but you know that most families have ways of being, right? And, and you find that a person behaves one way or the other because they are, they're part of that family. They have a way of being. And, and if I meet somebody who behaves a certain way, uh, the next person that I find that's from that family, I might be a little bit wary of them. But on the other hand, if I meet somebody who behaves in a good way, well, then I'll, I'll trust of maybe a little bit more the next person I meet. I remember hearing a story about a man he was interviewing, he was meeting with and talking to a, a, a gentleman who owned a business and a, a, a teenager knocked on the door and turned in a resume, a job application to the, the manager of the business. And the manager looked at it and said, be here 8 a.m. Monday. And the kid walked out. And the guy said, who is that kid? He says, I've never really met him. He says, well, why'd you hire him? He says, well, I recognize his name. I know his grandfather. You know, I know his family. So I'm willing to trust him. I'm willing to take him on, sight unseen, with no interview. Because I know his family. That's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? Have you considered the fact that our lives, how we live, our lives are a reflection on Jesus? That we don't just represent him to people, but that when people see how we live, they make decisions based on and, 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 and uh, judgment values of who Jesus is based on us. That's why when Christians are hypocritical or we're judgmental and people say, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. Why? Well, look at his followers. That, that's dangerous stuff. We're a reflection on him. We are, we are to other people his calling card, you might say. That, that they will decide whether or not he is worthy of worship and worthy of following based in part, and I'm not saying this is right for them to do, but it's what people do, on us. So when we say whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, we're talking heavy stuff. And we're not just talking about grandiose, wonderful things. In fact, most of the time, this is the mundane things that we've got to watch out for. I think most of us are ready to serve God in great ways, but are we willing to serve God in the small ways? And, and I can always go to my, my easy failures, you know, traffic. Am I willing to drive and to interact with other drivers in the Metroplex? In the name of Jesus Christ. When I drive, and am I willing to drive in such a way that Jesus might be glorified in my driving? Or does Jesus need to get in the trunk because these people need some, you know, they need a little bit of lessons, you know? How do we, how do we live in the everyday ways? It's a tough thing. Our, our, our lives are a reflection on Jesus because we bear his name. We represent his family. You know, and in this passage in the book of Colossians, there's other places where he talks about uh, our words. In, in, in chapter 4, verse 6, he tells us, let your speech 
always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. You know what I I think that's saying to us? You really need to think about and stop before you respond. I mean, let's, let's just curl your toes up so they don't get stepped on too much, but just curl them back into your shoes, but let's just consider a second. If you still are on social media in any way and you interact with people, is your speech, and speech is in, it can, can extend to what we type, is it with grace? Is it, is it written as though it was seasoned with salt? Do you think about and consider how you should respond to each person? Or are you right and they're wrong and you just got to let them know? That's hard stuff. This is one reason why I've pretty much just given up on social media. You know, if uh, I was told as a kid, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And it's too hard, so I just don't say anything at all. Because there's probably no way I can really respond that will be with grace in such a way that is as if it was seasoned with salt. No. The medium doesn't enable it. Have you considered, though, that uh, how you speak is more important than what you say? That you're being right about something, and, and you are. If you're following Jesus Christ and you're getting your news out of the Bible, you're most likely right. But just because we're right doesn't mean we are reflective of who Jesus is. And more and more and more, Instead of pushing a a viewpoint or pushing an argument or pushing a a way of living, the church needs to more and more be focused on how how do we interact with people in such a way that we would respond to each person appropriately? How can we how can we speak in such a way that it is filled with grace for the people around us? That it would be as if it was seasoned with salt. It's so good. Ouch. So often it is better just not to speak. Let your words be few. Because we might make things so much worse if we speak our minds. He also talks about what we do. In verse 23, right after uh, verse 17, which is our verse for today, we get into uh, the household codes, you might say. You know, wives, be submissive. Husbands, love your wives. Children, be obedient. Fathers, don't drive your kids crazy. I'm paraphrasing that one, all right? And then we get into slaves. And then we get into masters. But to slaves, he said to them, what, uh, whatever you do, again, there, whatever you do, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. He was talking to people who had no control over their lives, who served a household or served another person, and that was their life. And he was telling them, 
Whatever you do, whatever task you might be assigned to, whatever task it is your lot in life to carry out, do it heartily. Do it with your vigor and enjoyment. Not as if you were serving men, but as for as if you are serving the Lord. Because you know it's Him, it's from the Lord that you're going to receive the reward of inheritance. That you serve God, not men. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And the same can be said for us in our lives today. Whoever writes the check that you get, whatever business you might serve, You don't serve them, you serve the Lord. First and foremost. And that means that sometimes we might have to make decisions and say, I can't do this, or yes, I'm going to do that with all my vigor. And people might say, why are you willing to be so enthusiastic about doing this task? Nobody likes doing this. Well, because I'm not doing it for its sake. I'm not doing it for my sake. I'm doing it for the Lord. But there may be other times when uh, I can't do that. that would, if I were to carry out that course of action, that would be disobedient to the Lord. That would bring disfavor upon Him. I'm not going to do that. We serve Him, not our earthly bosses and managers and even customers. Whatever you do. We need to be thinking not so much on, well, how am I going to pay the bills, but... Is this honoring God? He says, seek first His kingdom and all these things will be added to you. The first thing we got to focus on is are we representing Christ appropriately in how we live? And that goes for, I mean, he wrote that to slaves in the Roman world at that time. If he wrote that to them, what is he writing to us? supposedly free individuals. How much more so should we work as if uh, because we are serving God rather than men? Here's a, a, an interesting thing that happens when in verse 17 when you know whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. He adds on giving thanks through him to God the Father. And that's, that's an interesting focus. Give thanks. Giving thanks. The, the word giving thanks uh, is where the Catholics get the word for the Lord's Supper, Eucharist. It's Eucharisto, which means uh, you is the Greek word for good. And charis, well, that's our word for grace. So it's literally the word means good grace. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I think it's, it's, it's an older thing. We don't really, at least in my family, we don't say, let's say grace. But what was, when you would say grace, what did you do? You thank God for the food. Right? Good grace. We thank Him. And, and the idea behind that word, the, the, the word thank isn't in it. Good grace, though, what it means is to, to recognize the goodness of the grace that God has given you. And so when I thank somebody for helping me, hey, if, you know, I have to move some furniture. You don't have to help me. But you come over and you help me and we get that couch through the front door and I say, thank you. 
What am I saying? I am saying that was a good grace you gave me. You helped me out. You've blessed me. That's what he's saying when we would have an attitude of giving thanks to him, uh, through him, to God the Father, that, that we would recognize the good grace that God has given us. And, and I don't know about you, but if you're looking at this idea of, well, we bear the name of Christ and our lives are a reflection on Jesus and whatever I do in word or deed, I need to do in His name. And you start thinking about just how many things you do in the day and how many things you say in the day and you realize how few of them you do in the name of Jesus or you do in a way that is appropriate to His name. If you're feeling about this big right now, you're not alone. Because it's hard to live up to this. And that's why I think giving thanks through Him to the Father is so important. This idea of good grace. Because the truth is, we cannot succeed in, in, in doing what He is calling us to. We cannot live out doing everything we, we do or say in the name of Jesus. We cannot succeed at that without God's grace in our lives. We can't do it. It's not something you're going to do on your own. We need His grace. That's why He has given us the Holy Spirit. That's why He talks about, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You've got to abide with Me and I in you. And if you abide in Me and I in you, you're going to bear much fruit. For apart from Me, you can do nothing. Right? We've got to be stuck with Him. We've got to be close to Him. We've got to spend time with Him. And only then... Can we hope to see some success in this? But the truth is, is a lot of times we're not. And, and here's the crazy thing, though. I think uh, the times that we fail to do something in His name or to act in His name or to speak in His name and acknowledge it and come back to whoever we failed in front of and say to them, you know, that was not in keeping with Jesus Christ and His name. I was not reflective of him i was not a good representative of him we don't really talk in this way but these are the words i've used in this message so i'm using them you know but when we go back and say you know what that wasn't good i was wrong and what do we do we ask for forgiveness we apologize and say forgive me you know that is living in accordance with the name of Jesus Christ. That is being a person who acknowledges God's lordship over you and acknowledges His sovereignty, acknowledges His righteousness, and acknowledges that we don't come anywhere close on our own. I think one of the greatest ways, and I fail at it plenty of times, trust me, but one of the greatest ways we can live as a reflection of Jesus is when we goof it up, when we mess it up, when we sin, and then we come back and we confess and apologize. Try that at work the next time you do something wrong. See if people around you don't really wonder, who are you? you imagine? You know, you're griping to a buddy about something management's doing, and then you come back and you say, you know what? Gosh, I was wrong. I shouldn't be griping about management. I shouldn't be spreading discord in the company. That's not Christ. That's not what Jesus would be doing. Would you forgive me for that? I'm going I'm to try to keep that. I'm not going to do that anymore if I can help it. 
Can you imagine what people, I mean, maybe they'd say, hey, I don't want to hang out with him anymore. He's too weird for me. But maybe they would see Jesus. And that's what I'm getting at. It's not that we would be perfect at the beginning. No, we can, we can do everything in word or deed in the name of Jesus. Even if we come back after the fact and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And, and why? Because that's where we experience grace, isn't it? That's really where we experience the grace is when we're forgiven. And, and we cannot succeed without God's grace in our lives. The, the theme of Thanksgiving didn't start in verse 17. It's actually, uh, I am going to go a little bit back. Uh, if you go back to verse 15, how do we live this? How do we live this as being reflections of Jesus? In verse 15, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I, I think, you know, that's definitely something I need to be working on. I get so worked up and get so agitated, get so angry sometimes, get so frustrated with the world, want to just change things, right? And that's not peace. That's not the peace of Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it rule in your hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful and be good grace. Be recognizing God's good grace. In in verse 16, he continues, let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. So let the peace rule and let the Word dwell. And with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we're supposed to encourage one another in godliness with thanksgiving. Singing with thanks, thankfulness in your hearts to God. Again, that word, that idea of giving thanks. That we would let His peace rule us. That we would let His Word dwell within us. That we would encourage one another with it, with His wisdom, with His Word. That we would have thankfulness. And then he says in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. One thing I didn't look at, you know, that word rule. Let His peace rule in your hearts. Uh, when we talk about that we bear His name, that we are Christians, little Christ, He is our Master. Which means He says we do. We don't have control over our own lives. We acknowledge His sovereignty over us. And we are a reflection of Him. We can't do that on our own. But we need His grace. And, and giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Our thanks is to the Father, but we're not able to give God thanks without Jesus Christ. That word through, it, it can mean a lot of different things depending on how it is put together with other words. It can mean, you know, uh, I speak to God through Jesus. This was my idea when I was a kid, when, when I understood that you know, Jesus was our, our uh, intermediary between us and the Father. I kind of viewed it as like a telephone pole, you know, and I, I connect to the pole, and then the pole goes to God, and Jesus is that pole, and, and if my wires don't connect there, they won't go on to the Father. You know, so I'm, I'm praying through Him. 
that was, that was how I understood the word through as a kid. But through also has the idea of agency. That, that, uh, that it's through the instrumentality of someone or something. So when we give thanks to God the Father through Jesus Christ, it's not just that I'm trying to communicate to Jesus and Jesus is going to pass it along, but know that Jesus is the one who enables me to give thanks to God. That, that other than, you know, I have life and we should all be grateful for life and we have life because of God, I have salvation because of Jesus. That Jesus died on the cross for our sins and because He did that, we have the capacity to enter in and to come to God the Father. We have the capacity and the ability to pray to Him, to speak directly to Him. We give thanks to Him because of what Jesus has done. We, give, we have the ability to give thanks to Him because of what Jesus has done. And we need to recognize that in our lives every day, that, that if I'm able to be godly in any way, if I'm able to experience His peace at all, if I'm able to keep my mouth shut one out of seven times, even that little bit is not owing to me, it is owing to Him. And I need to give God thanks because of what Jesus has done. I need to give God thanks because He has given us His Son in the way He has. I think sometimes we can have a, a spirit of thankfulness that's not too far off from the Pharisee in, in, in Jesus' parable. You know, there's the Pharisee who goes to pray, and then there's the tax collector who goes to pray, and the Pharisee says, Lord, I thank you that I am not like other people. I'm not bad like this tax collector. I'm thankful, God, that you have not made me like the scum, but you made me good. And I do all the right things, and I'm so thankful, God, that I do all the right things. And we can sometimes have that attitude in the world and with the people we interact with and the people we serve and the people we speak to, you know, that we've done something. But I think the reason why Paul is including thankfulness so often throughout this passage, and especially here, is as, as we do things, as we try to speak and act in accordance with the name of who Jesus is, we got to stay humble about it. We need humility in our lives as we do. And, and, and being reminded that we can't do these things unless Jesus had died on the cross. That it's not us in our own ability, but it's His grace for us. That we recognize it is only grace. You know, if you're sitting there and you're dealing with somebody and you're thinking, they're such an idiot. Trust me, the only reason why you're not such an idiot, it might be two things. One, you might just not be able to see because you've got too big of a log in your eye. The other thing might be because you've got grace in your life that they don't have yet. And it's nothing to brag about. And that's why as I, as I think about how we live whatever you do, as we think of, of bearing the name of Christ, that humble thankfulness should be a mark of every believer that not proud thankfulness, but it should humble us. And I, and I say should be because I think we all know it's not necessarily a mark of every believer, is it? But it should be. 
as we go through our lives, as we try to serve Him, hopefully thankfulness would be a mark. You know, so as we, as we struggle, as we have less rain than we would like, and as the lake goes down, and as water restrictions come in, and as food isn't on the shelf sometimes, and sometimes I need this, sometimes I need that, and it's not there, what is our attitude in life? Humble thankfulness should be part of it. That whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Humble thanks. Lord, I've got what I need because it's what You've given me. And how do I interact with and how do I respond to those things that aren't going the way I want it to? I think humble thankfulness makes it easier to deal with some of the things out there in the world, doesn't it? And a lot of times when my mouth goes off and I'm not speaking like somebody who bears the name of Christ, if I stop and I check, I can guarantee you my heart is not humble in that moment, nor is it thankful. Humble thankfulness should be a mark in all of our lives. And I think when we go wrong, a lot of times it's because we're no longer thankful and we're not the least bit humble about it. I want to encourage you this week, as you memorize this verse, think about whatever you do in word or deed. What are the things that you do that you do in the name of the Lord? What are the things that you say that you can say rightly? These are the things that I say and in keeping with the character and the person of Jesus Christ. And then allow yourself to ask, what are the things that I do? What are the things that I say that are not in keeping with the character and the person of Jesus? And we're going to have a song here in a few minutes, and I want to encourage us, as, even as we sing in response to this passage, that we, we consider those questions. Well, let's say this verse one last time as we close together. Maybe it'll hit us a little differently than it did the first time. Let's say this again, shall we? Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have shown us grace through Your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank You that You have forgiven us our sins through His death on the cross and that You have given us life through the resurrection from the dead. Lord, we recognize that even though we are proud to be His and we are grateful to be saved, that there are times we still do not live out the name we bear. There are times that we act and we don't act like Jesus. And we have thoughts and they're not Jesus' thoughts, they're our own. And sometimes we'll even claim that our thoughts are your thoughts and our attitude is your attitude. And Lord, we ask your forgiveness. We pray as we consider how we live uh, our entire lives, the words we say, the actions we take, how we treat one another, 
Lord, we pray that we would come to them with an attitude, a, a desire to see. Am I living out according to the name of Jesus? Am I, am I living appropriately to give proper honor to my Master, Jesus? Lord, we pray that You would help us to see those ways that we need Your grace still. That we would recognize when the things we do are, are not in keeping with who Jesus is. That we would be ready to to acknowledge it, to profess it, and to ask for forgiveness. Lord, may we rely not on our own ability, but upon Your grace. And we pray that it would keep us humble. And that we would not be proud about being Christians. But Lord, that we would be properly humble, knowing how far away we are from the ideal of that name. Lord, we pray that You would guide us in Your grace to be Your people in a better way each day. We ask these in Jesus' name. Amen.